I have a friend in Scotland named Care Thompson. Some of you here know him. By the way, he's a published author, and I think he'll appreciate me telling you that his book, Sound of Wales, and the follow-up of it, which I don't know what it's titled, but you can look him up, K-E-R-R Thompson, and uh, I mean, he's published by the same outfit that publishes J.K. Rowling's books, and uh, he, he, he is. But he followed us over from that trip in Scotland where I first met Mike Jones. He followed us over and attended... Um, college at the University of Arkansas, and we were singing that, that song, My God and I, and he said uh, to me, uh, isn't it supposed to be, My God and I will go for I together? I said, I think you're right. I said, if we make that change, I still don't know what that phrase means either way. But it's a good song, and uh, well, I like the idea. And uh, whether you say A or I, doesn't seem to make much difference. Um, I've been inspired during a week of convalescence from whatever was bothering me last week, which now I am so glad is gone. God redeems even our sickness. He redeemed me and my sickness to be reflective and... um, I want, to, I want to read to you from Psalm 77, where the psalmist says in verse 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that today as, um, as I'm preaching, as I'm speaking and we're all listening, that we hear a word from you, that we will reflect and remember your deeds of long ago, the ones that we read about in the Bible and the ones that we've experienced very personally, the ones that have been told to us by people that we love and know, Father, we pray that we will remember how you have acted and operated within this church family that will meditate on that and that will remember that without you, we are an empty vessel doing meaningless good works. But with you at work among us, not only successes but failures are transformed into victories. In this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I uh, was inspired, the title of this sermon, What Happened at West Ark. If you've been around here for 15 years or more, you'll remember that once upon a time there used to be this document that existed called What's Happening at West Ark. Debbie's very familiar with this as she's had to edit it a few times over the years. And what it was is it was this, and I even, you know, threw my hand at it, and it was this attempt to create a catalog or a comprehensive list of every single ministry that, that was going on around here. I'm talking about every single ministry. I mean, if, if, it, was, if it was your ministry to, uh, you know, pick up Cheerios on the floor from, from you know, worship, that was listed in there. And we had to know who the ministry leader was and who to contact. Lest some soul said, I want to pick up Cheerios. That's my spiritual gift. And no one will ever ask me. And, um, and it was a good document. And a lot of good works listed in there. It was very helpful. After a few years, I realized that there was, it was incomplete and it was always going to be incomplete. And here's the reason why. Because as soon as you'd get the document done, something would change. Somebody would change. Some new ministry would form. Somebody would quit a ministry and go to a new ministry. You know, all good stuff. And, um, if, and it's just hard to make the document. But making the document is not the point. The point is, and, and the point is not even to name us and to recognize us. 
whenever we go into that sort of action too, we also get a little anxious. Well, we don't want to leave anybody out. We want to be sure and mention everybody. This is always a delicate time of year for uh, news organizations because everybody, they've got all of their news reports stacked up. I saw one this morning of all the people that died in 2018. Now, you know, that's going to be so intimidating. First of all, it's, I can't understand the fascination with that. But secondly, it's, it's, you know, you get all these famous people in there, then somebody says, but you forgot so-and-so. Well, they're still dead. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not going to change that, you know, but, but, oh, we forgot. And sometimes when we make our list, we're worried, you know, I don't want to neglect anybody. I don't want to forget anyone. Here's the good news. Whenever we talk about what's going on in the church, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. It really is. And I'm not just saying that to let guys like me off the hook so that I don't have to worry about forgetting somebody. Because I'm not going to give you a comprehensive list of what happened here over the last year. I can't. Not only can I not, I should not, and I will not. Because where I leave things out, that means it's not my story to tell. It's your story to tell. You see, there's a theme to this that we're going to get into. I'm going to name some things, and I'm going to mention some ministries, and I'm going to look back. This is my reflection primarily. And I'm going to forget some things, intentionally and unintentionally. And that's no slight on all that. It's because what I want you to see here is I want you to see a man giving testimony to what he remembers. What it says here in Psalms. That when I was feeling bad, when I was feeling stressed, I mean, even going back to November, when I was living in the hospital for weeks with my father, I spent time meditating on the mighty deeds of God. And during all of that, I have grown in my appreciation and love for this family of God that meets here every Sunday, that lives together, works together, plays together, encourages one another. And I've also learned that I'm not the only one who should be telling of the good things that God is doing. You have your stories to tell too in your different places where you share those stories. So receive all of this as an encouragement of what God has done. And you get ready because after this sermon, you're going to go out from this place. And actually, as you gather right here in this place, as we go sending out, you're going to tell one another. of these. You don't have to tell me. You can tell me if you want, but you don't have to tell me. Tell others. Tell people who don't even know us. We believe, therefore, we speak. God was at work in us, through us, around us over the last year. And some of it came out of the fact that, that the, the leaders of the church, the ministers and the elders gathered together and, and, and had, had an idea that we needed to focus all of our effort. There's so much that this church does. And that's a good thing. But, but what's it all about? Why do we do it? Do we do it just because we've always done it that way? And there was two types of growth that we wanted to focus on. One was expanding, updating, and improving the physical resources that this church uses. Now, a lot of that, the, the, and, and by the way, this is before 2018. And a lot of that's obvious. You walk into this place this morning, it's obvious. And sometimes we take it for granted. Oh, ho-hum, okay, blue paint, yeah. We t- hey, that wasn't there a little while ago. And I've learned updating my own house, never to take that for granted. Because there's something always unfinished. And I can get very cranky about things being unfinished. I can, I can get very upset when I, when, when I realize that there's still projects I have to do. But I focus on the ones that are accomplished. And so I tell my wife, I tell my family. I walk into our bathroom and I can say, hey, remember when this used to look like a hole that El Chapo dug his way out of? Now it's a bathroom, you know. So, so you remind yourself of that. And I think, you know, when, when you're leaving today, just walk out there to your car in the parking lot and say, remember when this used to look like a garden of weeds? Mm-hmm, yeah, but now it's a parking lot. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be something. So focus on, on what you can see. Measuring this is obvious. But there was that second type of growth. That second type of growth that was harder to measure. We wanted to build up the body of Christ and we wanted to not only build us up, but we wanted to 
align all of the living stones that make up this temple of God according to the chief cornerstone that is Christ. Those are biblical metaphors for building. Those are biblical metaphors for construction. You read about it in 1 Peter. You read about it in in 1 Corinthians. But how do you measure that? I mean, if 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 we're building out there, we can use plumb lines and squares and we can use uh, all sorts of, of measuring devices to find out if we're in alignment. But, but, but how do you do that with people? How do you track it? Do you track it by attendance? Well, yes, but not alone. That's not going to tell you everything. Do you track it by the harmony that's in the group, the satisfaction of everyone here? Well, yes, but not, not entirely. Do you, do you track it by the number of baptisms? Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, even Paul didn't keep track of baptisms. He didn't mark that as something that he felt was important to be successful. It was his faithfulness that he kept track of. What we're looking for in growth in the body of Christ is how can we testify to God at work making disciples who are making a difference and glorifying him? And I think the way we track it, what we have to, the data that we have to collect comes in the form of stories. And that's exactly how it is in Scripture, isn't it? Stories. When the psalmist says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord, a story has to be told. Somebody has to point out and say, do you remember this? Do you remember when God did this? Do you remember when we were hopeless? This psalmist in Psalm 77 starts out asking, Has the unfailing love of God vanished forever? Then he remembers where he has seen God's love. So one of the things we started doing as a leadership group, and at least in the ministry staff, is just start asking a question. And it, you know, it comes across as one of those little open-ended uh, Bible class questions that nobody's really sure how to answer. Because you can't just answer A, B, C, D, true or false. But the question goes something like this. Where have you seen God at work? Mm. Sometimes people don't like questions like that. It's the way it used to be when people would say, good sermon. And I would say, why was it good? People get annoyed. I just wanted to tell you it's a good sermon. I just wanted to have a moment between us. Now you've got to go and complicate it. How is it good? Stop that. So I stopped. And that's okay. But I don't think we should give up on the question, how do we see God at work? Because if we believe that we have a living God who's doing things, we need to be able to recognize that. If we're going to be witnesses, you know, that, that, is, that is a biblical term for people who evangelize. If we're witnesses, then we are people who saw something. That's what a witness is. A witness is somebody who witnessed God at work. So we wanted to track that growth. Well, here is my attempt at a little bit of witness where I want to show you that God is at work and I'm hoping that this little run-through real quick is going to spur and inspire you to be a witness and start, and maybe that will encourage you and give you the opportunity to encourage others and to remind us of what more can be done or what more God can do among us. You know, 2018 started in a most amazing way. The first church event of 2018 was Celebrate Recovery. We met on January 1st, 2018. The first night of the new year was on a Monday. And we just started. I remember some of us thought, well, you know, it's New Year's Day. I mean, there's going to be bowl games. Let's push it off. That's not how we do Celebrate Recovery. You keep the commitment. You got to be there for people. That's why we do it. And, and there's a lot of us who gathered together. Now, some of the ones there, and we're so thankful for them, they'd done this before. They knew what it was like. But most of us were just, and I'm one of those. I walked into this thing, and I was like, I got no idea what's going on here, but I'm happy to be here. And the first night we're there, all the traditions that now become a part of it were there. And Larry Roper said, you know, what we do when we gather together is we, we hand out we hand out blue chips, you know, and this chip is like a, a little reminder of God's grace, you know, it's the first step, you know, and this one's not blue anymore. But but uh, who wants a blue chip? Everybody's just looking around going, I don't know. 
what's a blue chip? I don't, what's a blue chip for? I don't know. You know? And I said, well, I want a blue chip. And you know why? Because I was stupid and I didn't know what it was. And I thought, if he's handing out blue chips, I want a blue chip. That was it. I just had to have a blue chip. And that, then I, I got to learn. So you don't have to know everything at first. And it was good. And, and, and now we're, we're clicking along in this ministry. The average attendance is about 50. We've got 21 trained leaders. These are just some of your stats. We've had four step studies completed. A fifth one's going to begin. And next week, we're going to do something that we've always wanted to do. You'll see it. Maybe you've seen it at other churches. Maybe you've seen it at events like Winterfest and, and, and Gulf Coast Getaway called Cardboard Testimonies. And cardboard testimonies are kind of a poetry of testimony where people come up and they say, once I was this, now I was this. And we'll talk more about that next week. But I remember for years that people would say, you know, I've seen that. Could we do that? Could we do that? And I said, sure. I don't, I don't know of any reason we couldn't. But what are the testimonies? I mean, to do that, you know, because, yeah, you know, we're like, we've got cardboard. Great. We've got magic markers. Wonderful. We've got permission to do it. Great. Now what are we going to put on the cardboard? I don't know you got to get that testimony. That's the, that's the most important part. Well, we've got those now. Because God has to give you that so you can name it. And by the way, here's the other thing I want you to know. Even though this started in 2018, this has been something that's been in the works for a long time. God's been preparing the soil. I can remember many elder meetings, elder retreats, and elders just saying, we, we need to have a celebrate recovery. It's part of who we are. Campus kids, healing hope. But we were always, we knew it, but how? How? And God provided. That's one thing that happened last year where we definitely saw God at work and continue to see God at work. It'll go into the next year, and all of you are always invited to come and see and come get a blue chip, even if you don't know what's going on, just like me. You're always invited. And by the way, we'll, we'll have a, I'm teaching tomorrow night. In Celebrate Recovery for, for um, seven reasons we get stuck is the message. Come to it if you want and then stick around for the game night. In January, we uh, had another winter fest. Personal commitment as a disciple is always encouraged. Hey, Rick, give him a wave right there so I can see where you're at. This is Rick. He takes the group down there. Uh, if you want to go to Winterfest, see what all that's about. That's where people see things like cardboard testimony and they wonder, what does this mean? Um... Gulf Coast getaway always happens that same weekend in January. It, you know, it, it's, it's, we, we got our church is just so, you know, you, you see it. God just sends us out in all directions, and then we come back together. And it always happens that third weekend of January. Uh, Cade, Sarah, give us a wave over here. Here's our campus ministers. They were telling me about some of the real life-transforming commitment that's happened here. You know, part, part, of, part of what happened there, too, is with people who are no longer in there. Craig, give us a wave right there. Here's Craig Johnson. Yeah, it made a big difference in your life, didn't it, the, the going to Gulf Coast? And, uh, I mean, Craig can give you his own cardboard testimony, and it goes something like, I didn't believe in God, I do now. And, uh, and I don't want to embarrass him too much, but, man, he makes us proud, and, uh, and, and he inspires me. And, um, and then we did Night to Shine 2. Now, my son saw this, and he's like, wait. Night to Shine 2, is there a sequel now? Is this like an advanced version of Night to Shine? Well, yeah, in a way it was. For us, it was the second Night to Shine. That happened in 2018. I remember the first one we did, we went, again, we went into it, and this is where God was carrying us along, and we realized, wow, we actually did this. And then after Night to Shine the second, we said, we did it again, <laughs> And now the third one is coming up. Um, if you never heard of this, I encourage you, write down that website, go check it out. But the first Night to Shine was a watershed event. It changed us in a lot of ways. Last year, I was telling people, I even went over to uh, the Oklahoma Christian campus. Uh, I was invited over there and they said, hey, do you have a story of how God's at work in your church? And I said, I do. And uh, somewhere there's a video floating around about it. I don't know. Uh, I've been looking for it, but there's a video of me giving this. And, and again, what I'm praising is I'm praising God and I'm praising you and all the people who realized, okay, that, that we had this event where we put on this celebration of people who are often 
overlooked and we see the upside-down kingdom of God, that the things that we value like power and strength and wealth and, and, and good looks and, and, and prestige and all that is the kind of stuff that God just, just brushes away. And in the real kingdom of God, it's other things that are valued. And we're learning how to live into that as well. That's going to happen again in February. We'll get to that. But this happened. And here's the thing that happened this year in 2018. When I was at my folks' house, taking care of them, getting them back, settled in, I got a call from a friend of mine, a fellow named Jack Whidden. I've known Jack for years. He was my sister-in-law's youth minister. Jack is a minister at the congregation at the uh, Church of Christ in Waco. Because we did this in 2017, they called and said, we want to do this. And he called me and, he, and I said, hey, I said, I got no more advice to give you. I think you guys are great, Jack. You know? And he goes, no, he goes, this is why I want to call. We're going to get a grant to do our night to shine. I just wanted to ask you a question. How would you say it's impacted the community? Wow. And I had to stop and I had to think about that. And I had to name all the good things that came out of this event for two years. Next thing you know, I'm on a tear. I'm realizing just how much it's not only impacted us, but it's impacted the community. And in ways that we don't even see. And it comes down to this. Why does all that happen? Because we were obedient to God and just did things His way. Then in February of this last year, it was really interesting. It's really interesting how God works, you know. One of the traditions of the elders is to get together at some point for a retreat. And uh, in 2017, they were talking about that. When are we going to do our retreat? When are we going to do our retreat? And, you know, the fire just wasn't there. Our poor elders, I'm just going to be, you know, they can, they can testify to this on their own, but I really think they were just, they, 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 they had over-meetingitis, you know. And uh, they said, well, I don't know. And for some reason, a little flyer had come across my desk, these guys over at the Pleasant Valley Church Christ, and we knew one of the fellows who had done a retreat for us, a, a, a brother named John Mulliken, who's fantastic. We really like him and like what he does. I said, well, John Mulliken's going to be at this thing in uh, February over in Little Rock. Why don't we just go to that? It's kind of... You know, it's kind of just turnkey retreat, you know, all made up for you there. Now, I'm convinced, I've heard rumors from some of the elders that they said, yeah, that's great, let's just do that February thing. And the main reason they did that is because they didn't want to avoid deer season, okay? But if God uses that for good, so be it, and he did. And I've never seen our shepherds and their wives so energized as they were coming back from that event. And part of it was because they heard testimony from others, other people who faced the same problems, who, who've dealt with the same issues in church, and they said, you know, we need to get back to what really counts. That there's so many things that can distract us. But we've got to lean on God, trust on God, be involved in the saving of souls. We need to be involved in preaching the word. And there was just such commitment to that. And it's not perfect. I mean, you're trying to change Deeply ingrained systems. And again, this isn't some newfangled, new doctrine type thing. This is basics. This is restoration. This is simply trust in God's word, in the gospel, and believe that God gives you enough. You know, what kind of sense does it make for God to ask us to do something that he's not going to provide? It's like some ancient army, some ancient military. Hey, we want you to join the army. Okay, do I get a pair of army boots? No, you got to come up with that on your own. That doesn't make any sense. There's always provision. There's always provision of some poor. If God has asked us to be involved in this mission of making disciples, then don't you think he's going to equip us and supply us already? That we don't have to come up with this? Well, then what else does it mean when he says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age? There was a lot of renewal that came out of that. I would say that if Night to Shine 2017 was the watershed event of that year, this was a watershed event for leadership this year. So much good and encouragement came out of that. And it was really the culmination of all the time they spent before in retreats and wanting to be obedient to God. And it reminded us that growth really depends on trusting in God. 
You know, we've always had mission projects going to different places. I warned Rachel Noel that she has a cameo in this sermon. She said, is it a picture? I said, nah, just name dropping you. And so, you know, she just came back from a Christmas trip down there. And again, Rachel kind of represents all of our young people who go to, on these events and, and, and they do these things and then they want to do more. And so she spent a whole season in Guatemala. And our growth with the Guatemala mission, it's like our growth with a lot of the other missions. Except this one's kind of unique and special to me because of my long-standing relationship with Paul Kreitz and his family. And I didn't even set this up. I didn't even petition the church. I was getting involved in Guatemala. No, Rick heard about it. And he said, I think that's a good place to take the group. So he started taking the group there. And then a lot of you fell in love with it. So now some of you, you come to me, you probably know Paul better than I do at this point. And, and, and then what was really interesting about last year is that in addition to going on another one of these trips, and, I mean, and, and folks who had never been on a trip went on a trip. And then Paul and his family came back, and they encouraged us again right in the midst of mission season. And it was in all of that, in ways that will take me forever to name, and you don't want me to do that, is, is do you see all ages of people working together, working together using gifts that they didn't even know were kingdom gifts to do amazing things. Remember, we learned a lesson earlier this year that you and God make a good team. That if God can work in guys like Freddie, you had to be there for that. Attendance was mandatory. Then God can work in us. And all we got to do is understand that God and us make a good team. All of these messages were not only preached, but they were embodied. Yeah, there's going to be other trips down there too, you know it. I'm glad that we brought Hal Runkle in in April of 2018. You know, the thing we struggled with most was what to call that silly event. You know, is it an adult seminar? Is it an adulting seminar? That sounds weird. That sounds more weird than I want to go into. And so it was like, you know, and, and, and Hal's got all these fancy books. You know, it's a scream-free parenting, scream-free, uh, I don't know, child raising, scream-free. I, I don't know, just a bunch of weird stuff. You know. Scream-free everything. Okay, whatever. But I'd heard his message before, just not as wonderfully packaged as he did it. And it's all about being unanxious or non-anxious. Whether you're a teenager or an adult or you're old people, you want to be non-anxious. And, and the subtle shift in all of it that came through all of it that we learned is our work in the church, the maturing process that we're doing is we are raising adults. We're not trying to get people to be old babies. You know, you, 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 can, be, you can be 70 years old and still be a baby. All right? And that's not God's design. You can be 40-year-old and still be a baby. But you can be 20 years old and be an adult. And we don't, oh, you know, people. I, first ministry I was in, campus ministry, I had people tell me, now I remember they're just children. I said, these are college students. They're old enough to vote. They're old enough to go to war. They need to be adults. We need them to be adults. And all of this was reinforced, and that's what we're really doing, is we're trying to supply this world with people who have a maturity not rooted in their own strengths, but rooted in the strength of God, a maturity that comes from God's Spirit. Lions for Christ had a benchmark year, sent their first team to Thailand, a Let's Start Talking team that just uses the Bible. I mean, again, the provision of what you need is right there. You don't have to have some special course. I mean, they do some training and stuff like that. But there's no special gimmicky material that gets people to make a decision. It's like, let's just read the Bible. Maybe the Word does its work. Hey, and it does. But what I liked about this event was that a new ministry combined with a, you know, this, this which was new for us, this Let's Start Talking trip. They've been doing it for a while. But for us, it was new. It combined with a kind of a, eh, a middle-aged ministry, our campus ministry which combined with a long-standing ministry, which was our work in Thailand. And if you look at this picture up there, you got two of our college students. you got Kate and Rachel. And right there in the middle of the picture is Patina, who's been our friend in Thailand for a, for a long time, for a long time. 
And all of this just mixed together in, a, in, a, in an amazing way. We didn't structurally intend that in some, you know, engineering type way where we said, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll aim this towards that. It's just God provided the pieces and we were obedient. And they've got another team preparing for that. And then we had VBS. Here's, boy, we, we found a lot of new talent at VBS. Um, not, not just uh, Taylor, but Elvira here. And, um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. But it's, it's so fun. And, you know, that's been something that this church has done for a long time. Some of you have said, oh, I wished we did VBS like we used to. We are. And then some. So if you're one of those who said that, I want you back. Okay? We want you back. Uh, this is the best teamwork I'd seen. It was multi-generational. Alyssa came up with the theme, made with a purpose. She's got a reason for that. Because she doesn't want any little kid to ever hear that they're a mistake or they don't have some purpose. Isn't that a good way to start raising an adult? Tell them they have a purpose. And now it's highly anticipated. No, there's so much I can think about that. This is a really, really good VBS. There was a lot of teamwork on every level. Now, I was combing through the pictures. I couldn't find them at first, but I was combing through the pictures. There's one picture that's worth a thousand words, and I'm not going to say much more about it, but this is kind of what it's all about right there. That's it. The only thing i got to say is because those who are going to be listening on audio are like, what's the picture? What's the picture? Well, it's Louise holding one of the... um, Keller family's little children in a rocking chair. Well, what, what, what special talent is that? Oh, that's one of the best spiritual gifts, love. And that's sometimes, that's what's needed. And those are the generations. And that's ministry. And we got our prayer pals going. Wow. I like this picture too. I don't know if Stan's trying to find his missing ice cream cone or what in that picture. But, but Prayer Pals really started in August of 2017. But then we renewed it this year. Because August 2017 was sort of like me taking that blue chip. It was like, let's do Prayer Pals. What's Prayer Pals? I don't know. Let's try it anyway. What are we doing? But Alyssa knew what we were doing. And this is one of the things that I want to point out too. Is that when you start seeing God at work, you realize that Alyssa brought this to us because of the way she was raised at the church in Wichita. And we owe those people a debt of thanks because they taught her how to do this and now she's bringing this to us and that's how God works in his kingdom and if we only think of ourselves we don't see that and they had to let go of her so we could be blessed but likewise and Craig I told you you're coming back in this Craig and Lindsay we raised them up here and now they're up in Ohio doing work at a church up there see and that's how God works all of this prayer pals has kind of become the backbone of our kid men which is our our new name for the children's ministry. And, the, and I say it's the backbone because it's not about programs. You don't just fit people into programs. People grow up. People change. They get older. They become adults. And if all you're committed to is having the most whiz-bang second grade class, guess what? Second graders become third graders. So you better catch up. And we're not even worried about the grade. We're worried about the people. Uh, you want to get involved in prayer pals, you can still talk to Alyssa about that. But but Prayer Pals is about linking, linking people together and having that mentoring happen. And the campus year starts every, every fall, okay? And there's a story that they were telling me that, that, that just kept showing up as I was reflecting. And I love the way that they tell this story. So I am borrowing a testimony from you. This is their story to tell, and they have told you, and I'm retelling a story that they've told, is that they started out over the summer of 2018 asking God for 30 core students. We need more students to grow this ministry. We need 30 core students. Well, God didn't give them 30 core students. Instead, he gave them 20 leaders. Isn't that about it in a nutshell? Okay. So, you know, I mean, the numbers may be changed, whatever, 30, 31, whatever. But the point is, instead of just giving them people, God gave them leaders. It just goes to show that you can do a whole lot with 500 disciples 
you could do more with 500 disciples than you can with 1,500 members who just warm a pew. Midweek and noon wheels filling up. And then in the midst of all this, again, you look for what God is doing. This second house over there shows up. Uh, some of our elders got a call. We heard about this. The guy's offering the house. I mean, you talk about God providing. We didn't even need it for survival, but it's good for growth. And then we got into our mission season like we do every fall. And for me, this year, mission season was very real and very personal. And I appreciate the way Trish Carson helped us out in the office with this. Because it was nice having one person manage all the stories. That's how we gauge it, is with the stories. And it started by sending Gina to her long-term stay in Bulgaria. And it ended, at least from my perspective, in November when I suddenly had to come home. And Gina's there, and now she's making relationships with people across Europe. Which, again, is good for that church in Bulgaria. And you, and you, you look at something like this and you think, how is this possible? How could any of us have planned for this? We can't. God makes it happen when we're obedient. You've got the growth of the ministries in Southeast Asia. But you can't always say much about that here, but you need to look for the opportunities to hear about that. The visit from the Carson family in, in Honduras was really interesting for me as well. And maybe you had this experience with different people who talked about the different works that they're doing around the world. But this was the one for me because I really realized that they refocused their work so that it wasn't just about what it had always been, but they were trying to be true and faithful to who they were and what God was setting before them. And just like we've mentioned before, John is one of these young people who would have been at a... I mean, I think he was one of the young people that was in my rabbi tent at VBS when I first got here. And now he's ministering to orphans in Honduras. We're a church, you look back over this year, that's good at celebrating. And I'm thankful for that. Oh, you know, there's a lot of events. I'm glad we wrapped it up with Coco and Carol's. We're going to wrap it up with a game night on New Year's Eve. We're a church that's good at celebrating. And there's nothing wrong with that. We don't need to apologize about that. And I'm not going to apologize about that. Let me tell you why. Because real celebration, Richard Foster in his book Celebration of Discipline says that, that the ability to celebrate is a, is a uh, spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual gift. Because what it's saying is, is that there's never a time that we are uh, church on and church off. That, that we don't have a, uh, like a light on a taxi that says in service or out of service. We're always the church. We're God's people at all times. And so when we're celebrating real celebration, we're being grateful. We're being hopeful. And like Hal Runkle was trying to teach us, we're not anxious. You can celebrate when you don't worry. Jesus said, don't worry. And so you see stories of disciples and apostles, and they're getting persecuted. They're getting thrown in jail, and they're singing songs. Hey, aren't you guys worried that you're in jail? Nah. Our leader got crucified, and he came back. We're not worried. We're a church that's good at serving. You look back, and you see all these these things that, again, you know, you might be wondering, why, well, why did I leave all those out? Well, I don't always have a lot of stories for those, but there's just more stories to tell. But this is what my friend Cade calls the daily grind. Is you can have your big events, but you've got to have that daily, everyday stuff. And these are the people at the Hope Chest, at Hope Park, at Cure. And I left that one out intentionally. And, and, and the children's home when they're, you know, if you've ever wondered when those guys come around with those little buckets in class, it's like, what is that all about? You might be new here. And you know what? Shame on us because we haven't told you what it's all about. But that's where we've got to get our testimonies going. Because all that's about funding children's homes that take care of, um, of orphans, of children who are in need, children who may be in the foster care system. And that's why I wanted to come back around to that. Because as you leave, you're going to see a, a Christmas tree out here or an angel tree or whatever you want to call it. And, and all the, the money and the gifts and all that, that's all been taken care of. But would you at least pray that one of those children gets a home to live in? You just take a name off that tree. 
you take that with you and be involved in the ministry of prayer. Because there's one ministry, there's one ministry around here that every single disciple here does, and that's the ministry of prayer. You have to do it. Yeah, I don't, it's impossible. How can you be a disciple and not pray? You know? And I'm not judging you and I'm not shaming you. I'm just saying do it. Even if you're just like, you know, Jesus, I'm praying. I'm not really sure what to say. That's okay. That can be your blue chip prayer. You know, just, just get, get started. But the thing about this serving that we do is that we're not doing this to be proud of ourselves. We're not, we're not going down and feeding people at Hope Park so that, we can, so that we can judge them and help them out and be patronizing. We're doing it because we see that there's suffering in the world. We see that there's hurt and pain in the world. But we believe in healing and hope. And we believe that Jesus has enough of that to share with others. And so we're responding by serving. And we're growing. This church is growing. You know, you can do it one way. Now, here's the deal. You can get yourself real sad. You can go, and depending on how long you've been here, you can go and you can look at the numbers and you can say, oh, look, that was our attendance today. Oh, man. I remember when this church used to be 1,600 people. Well, that's great. On the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000. Ha, ha, got you beat. You, you can always look at stuff like that. And you can get upset. <laughs> you know, why aren't we as big as that church? Why aren't we as huge as that church? I don't know. I don't know. But we're growing. We are growing. I wish we would grow numerically. Only because that means that more people are learning to be disciples. But God gives the increase. It's not our mechanism to manipulate, to get an increase. And before we grow numerically, we need to also be able to grow in spiritual maturity. And we need to grow in cooperation and unity. And we need to grow in vision. And we need to grow in generosity. The, the, the power and the ability and the talent and the resources to do all this growth are locked up within us right here just like in a seed. And yet it also comes from God who empowers all of that. And we're always looking for somebody else. Hey, you know, people will say to me, Preacher, you need to preach to all those people out there that they need to... Come on Sunday morning. Well, I got news for you. The people that I need to tell that to probably aren't here. (laughs) How do you do that? Well, there's actually a new thing coming next year that may help us with that. I want to mention that in just a second. But the thing is, it, it, it takes more than just us relying on ourselves. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, Paul says this so beautifully. It's by grace that you've been saved. Notice that he begins with the knowledge of our salvation. Do you have that knowledge that you're saved? I don't want anyone here to be one of those disciples that says, I don't know if I'm going to be saved or not. Come back tonight at 6, and I'm going to tell you a story about that, how I used to be one of those disciples who I didn't know if I was saved or not. That's not a disciple. And it's not a confidence in us. By grace you've been saved through faith. This not from yourselves. He's saying you don't get credit for that. You don't get credit for being saved. You didn't do it. It's God's gift. It's the gift of God. You weren't saved by your works, by the things that you did. No one is. No one gets to boast. For we are God's handiwork. We're his project. We were created in Christ. That means that when you were baptized, you weren't just created in Christ like human beings and, and the human race. It comes from God's creation. No, this means that, that God remade you and renewed you into a spiritual creation. And he did it because he had good works for you to do. He made you for a purpose. God prepared those works in advance. He just needed to make the people that could do them. And that's what he will do in us. That's what he's even willing to do. You know, there's works that God has ready for this congregation right now. He's just looking for somebody who can accept that. When I took that blue chip at Celebrate Recovery on January 1, I saw a friend. And this friend told me, years ago, you encouraged me. Ah, You know, and of course, I went into my humility rant, you know. Oh, it wasn't me. It was God. Oh, it wasn't me. My friend said, stop it. That's not my point. The point is, yeah, it was God. It was you. The point is, 
you were obedient. I said, okay, I'll accept that. And that's what that little chip meant to me. Now, I'm not preaching the gospel of celebrate recovery. I'm preaching the gospel of Christ, which is what we talk about in celebrate recovery. But it's what we talk about in the church. It's what we talk about every Sunday morning. It's what we talk about in any of these ministries that we do. But these ministries are not programs that exist independently of us. These ministries, all these things, are you and I being obedient to God. You can slap whatever label on it. You can wear whatever T-shirt you want. But if you and I are obedient to God, then he will work in us accomplishing the things that he prepared in advance for us to do. There are things that God wants to do in 2019, and some of you, he will make you ready to do it if you are willing to be obedient. Just looking at the first quarter, we got that cardboard testimony. You're going to see people who are obedient. They're going to tell you what God did with them. They're not talking about themselves. They're going to be talking about God. We've got the one-year anniversary of CR. We've got the baby blessing. We've neglected that for a while. I'll take responsibility for neglecting that, but it's coming back. and we're not, You know what? It's not going to look exactly the same, but it's still going to have the same impact, the same intent. It'll be January 13th. We're going to do another Winterfest, another Gulf Coast. Night to Shine 3 is February 8th. Be obedient. See what God can do in you. One of the ways that we, we, we've been dreaming about this, and, and we received a generous gift to make this happen, We've been thinking, we need to video stream this worship. Again, not to brag, not to boast, not to put our name out there, but to let people out there see what's going on in here. We don't know how we're going to do that. It's all like that blue chip. Hey, let's do it. How are we going to do it? I don't know. But God will figure it out. The first quarter begins with men's retreats and women's retreats and shepherd's retreats. And you know what? You can go to at least one of those. Yeah. Can't go to all of them. Maybe two of them. But you can't go to all of them. So just talk to people. Find out. I mean, you know, th- this brings us to our theme. We're going to have a theme next year. And this theme is so that we can not only be effective in our communication and be effective in our communication with others, but so that we won't forget as a year goes along, a lot of things happen. A lot of things come up in the world and that come up in life, and, and they, they, it, it can distract you. And all of us are going through the seasons of life and the seasons in the environment all around us. I mean, we're all coughing and uh, uh, right now because it's the flu season or it's the this season or it's the that season. And we always talk about seasons. It's a sports season, you know. This season comes along. It's deer season. It's this season. It's gun season. We all live within seasons. And yet somehow we sometimes want to act as if we are not bound by that. But that's how God ordered things. And he ordered time and he ordered our life in a special and dynamic way. Because Things in this world are alive. They move. Even things that we can't touch are in movement. Ideas, powers. They develop. There's growth. There's also decay. Maybe that's the reason why the Spirit of God is also described as a wind. Because as wind moves, it's dynamic. It blows. It has an effect. You know, and we get, we get rooted in and we want to make things the same way all the time. Somebody says, I want it to be summer all the time. I've lived on the Texas Gulf Coast. You don't want that. Mosquitoes never die. You don't want that. Besides, it really isn't that unchanging. There's all sorts of seasons, rhythms, cycles going on within us, even within your own body right now. You got the cycle of breathing going on. Let's just decide. You know, and what we t- sometimes do as church is sometimes as church we make these silly decisions that we've got to decide on things. Brethren, I come to you today saying that we need to decide right now. Are we an inhaling church or an exhaling church? Because one is good and the other's of the devil. Let's decide right now. Well, you're, you're foolish to pick. You got to have both. Of course, another way to look at it. It's another spiritual way is the two words that have to do with that are inspiration and expiration. It's part of it. It's part of the cycle. It's part of the whole. Seasons remind us that everything changes. Seasons remind us that the world changes, that we change, that our families change, that our kids grow up, that we get old and we die. They remind us that even Scripture comes to us in different languages. 
We are not Muslims. We do not believe that the one true Bible was written in a particular language at a particular time. We cannot become King James Muslims thinking that one translation is the only right one. It's a good one, but it's not the only right one. And besides, people in other languages need need to hear the, the gospel in their own language. So even the way we communicate the gospel changes even though the gospel does not. But in all of these seasons and cycles and changes, one thing remains the same. Jesus Christ, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one and only constant in everything. It's not even the church. Churches come and go. They change. The people that are within them change. They change depending on where you're at. If you go on any of these mission trips and you meet your brothers and sisters around the world, you see that they do things a little differently. It doesn't mean it's all wrong. Sometimes they have to do it that way because they live in a different place where they may not have the freedoms and privileges that we do, or they may not have the resources that we do. We went to Ethiopia, and we worshiped God there with our brothers and sisters in a place where they don't even have electrical power. And it wasn't Welch's grape juice that we drank for communion that morning. It was some kind of raisin concentrate. I can see some of my rather conservative family members going, is this scripturally authorized? Well, what are you going to do? You know, really, why don't we ever ask that question back home? I mean, see, that, that, that's like choosing between inhaling and exhaling. That cup honors the blood of Christ. It remembers the blood of Christ, and then he comes again. That's the constant that remains in all of this. And that's why we're going to use this as our theme for next year. Church, I love you, and I appreciate all of you are here. And as much as um, I appreciate you and love you, it's nothing compared to the love that God has for you. And right now, you may just be wondering, you know, I, I don't know what any of this means. That's okay. You don't have to. Just be obedient. That's always the first step. Would you pray with me? Father, I ask if there's anyone here today who needs to respond to your grace, who needs to trust in you, I pray that you'll convict them in some way and that we will all be available and ready to encourage them. Father, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing. If we can encourage you today, we want to do that.